the blast from our past network. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Just what the doctor ordered. <laughs> right, doctor? I couldn't have prescribed better. We are one weary ship. Do you think the captain will authorize a shore leave here? Well, depending upon my report and that of the other scouting parties. You know, you have to see this place to believe it. It's like something out of Adelson Wonderland. The captain has to come down. He'd like it. He needs it. You've got your problems, I've got mine. But he's got ours, plus his, plus 430 other people. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. This week, we have a couple special guests in the studio. We have my Star Trek team of Terry and Jay with me again. It's been a while. We're going to chat some original Star Trek series. Terry, welcome back. Thank you. Nice to be here again. It's nice to have you as always. Jay, welcome back as well. Thanks, Tim. I'm glad you invited me back, especially after last time. I know. It's been a while. Um, we we had some, what did we have? Arguments? Fights? <laughs> Yeah, it got pretty heated. Phaser Food wars. Food was thrown. Drinks were spilled. Phaser wars. Terry stabbed somebody. <laughs> Someone slept with somebody's no wife. I don't know. I don't know Terry. what. I don't know who it was. <laughs> it just got out of jail. It was a violent occur. A violent occur. Violent. Violent occurrence. Oh man, <laughs> I'm still suffering from uh, the blows to the head I took. Apparently, um, yeah, we're gonna do Star Trek: The Original Series. We're doing an episode called Shore Leave from 1966. Now, we're actually doing something fun here today. We're celebrating Trekmas. Indeed. This is a made-up <laughs> holiday that's near and dear to our hearts, where we get together around the holidays, and we just nerd out on Star Trek. Yeah. We'll watch all sorts of shows. We'll watch movies. We do a gift exchange, Star Trek-themed gift exchange. Um, somehow, StarCraft made it into the mix. Yeah, we just enjoy the a, game. Anything with a star in it, we accept at this time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're just that joyous. Yeah. But we binge a lot of StarCraft gaming, online gaming. And uh, yeah, this this time we thought let's throw a podcast up in. Because it's been so long and uh, we've become friends again after last time, like Jay said. <laughs> <laughs> so like I mentioned, we're going to be doing an episode from the original series. It was from season one, episode 15. Shore Leave. This aired on December 29th, 1966. Now, this is the first original series episode that we've covered. Yeah. We've done a whole bunch of other oh, stuff. Yeah, you're right. We've never done the OG. Now, we've talked about it before. The original series was the one that I was raised on, and you guys were next gen. Sort of. 
I, uh, I, as a little kid, I remember seeing them, but I never understood it the way that I did with Next Gen. Yeah, I never watched uh, the original at all. My parents were never into Star Trek, so I never, never got raised on it. Right. So, how do you guys feel about this original cast? It's hard to argue with uh, the original of anything, right? Because that's how it was designed to be with. And I like it. I like the. There's a purity to the whole to the whole show, and the cast is part of that, right? And uh, um, every character is unique and memorable. And I thought mm. uh, I thought the actors that played them are intertwined with the characters they play. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. I think every character they're they're charismatic in their own way when you watch them, but at the same time, you can tell as as actors they had no idea what they were what they were really producing, you know, they, there wasn't really a lot to that came before that they had to go on. So they're kind of just doing their best. And, um, and like you said, there is a purity to that. It's kind of, kind of cool to watch. Yeah. I, I find that this cast is kind of like, they're like the comfort food cast for me. They're, they're like wholesome. They're, uh, whenever I see them, I just get happy. Like they make me smile. I don't know if that's from the movies more so than the show, but there's just something, there's something about them that just makes me feel happy when I see them. Maybe not so much with some of the other casts. I don't know if it's, maybe the storylines that go on, maybe this OG, you know, OG show doesn't get into too many, I don't know, important themes or anything like that, or difficult themes, whereas a lot of the other shows do. Uh, But there's just something about them. They feel a little bit goofier than, you know, the next gen or Voyager or DS9 they're feel they feel a bit more lovable they seem a bit more huggable mm-hmm. just the, the vibe i get from them i don't know i find uh i look at older shows like i look kind of like older technologies sure what we have now on newer technologies is so much advanced and better and uh like i like 40s vehicles there's a purity and a beauty I find of the of the look of them, and when you look at newer vehicles, they do way more. They're they're capable of way more, but uh, there's still a joy in in witnessing, seeing, experiencing the old, and it's the same with this show. Um, there's a joy of seeing where it all started, and Star Trek not being the original uh, space show of all time, they're just one of the more common f- or the the new takes on it and it made space space shows more popular after itself and there it's just enjoyable to watch that Mm -hmm. now this episode was directed by a robert spar he directed uh lassie uh, voyage to the bottom of the sea batman perry mason bonanza and more so very decorated in television it was written by a theodore sturgeon now he's a fantasy sci-fi and horror writer and this episode is very much a telling of fantasy within the sci-fi genre. So I thought that was a um, maybe no surprise that he was chosen for, for an episode like this. But he also wrote the screenplay for a season two episode, A Mock Time, which is another all-time classic. It's, I don't know if you guys remember, it's the one where Kirk and Spock have to fight each other. Spock's in heat and they get into oh, uh, yeah. oh yeah, That's a classic, a classic episode. But this guy, Theodore Sturgeon, he coined a term called Sturgeon's Law, which states 90% of sci-fi is crud, but then 90% of everything is crud. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Yeah, I I do too. (laughs) Music by Gerald Fried. 
He's a composer, a conductor, and oboist. And he made music for a lot of television shows, including Gunsmoke, Gilligan's Island, Mission Impossible, Lost in Space, and more. He also scored several early Stanley Kubrick films, and he won an Academy Award for Best Original Score for the documentary Birds Do It, Bees Do It, which is either about flying or sex. I don't know which one. <laughs> or both. It's <laughs> about <laughs> one or the other. So a bit of background on this episode Show producer Gene Roddenberry, who had been working hard for several years up to this point, had been running on empty. After the episode Shore Leave was approved for pre-production, he was asked by his wife and doctor to take a vacation. When writer Theodore Sturgeon handed him his script, he noticed it had an emphasis on fantasy, and the network was concerned that this script was a bit too surreal. So before going on vacation, Roddenberry assured the network the script would be rewritten and the fantasy would be de-emphasized. Unfortunately, this was not made clear to the new producer who did rewrite the script and emphasize the fantasy even more. (laughs) Roddenberry realized the day before shooting that the script was out of control. So on location for the filming of the episode, it said Roddenberry set up a table, chair and typewriter under a tree and started rewriting the script. Now, while much of the heavy fantasy remained in the episode, he did write out Kirk wrestling a tiger and a scene with an elephant. Oh, that would have been great. (laughs) Both of which would have been awesome. Both would have been amazing, man. Everybody would have been talking about it for decades. Apparently, Kirk was uh, very upset at first for not being able to wrestle a tiger and then quickly quickly realized that he was very thankful that he didn't have to wrestle a tiger. Now, very weird start to this episode. We're on the bridge of the Enterprise. Kirk is sitting in his captain's chair. He's talking to Spock, who's standing behind him. Kirk straightens up in his seat and shows some discomfort. Spock asks if something's wrong. As a female crew member, uh, was it Yeoman Barrows? Was yeah, name? yeah, yeah. She now walks behind Kirk. And Kirk says, it's a kink in his back. So Yeoman Barrow starts massaging his back. And Kirk says, that's it. A little higher. Push. Push hard. Dig it in there, Mr. Spock. (laughs) As Spock walks down beside him at the same time. So Kirk sees it wasn't Spock digging it in. Now, I don't remember any other moments in Star Trek with these two guys that had sexual tension to it. But this sure was a moment. (laughs) What did you guys think of this? What a, what a start. <laughs> I think it's, it definitely set the tone that this was going to be a fun episode. <laughs> yeah, <no doubt. laughs> but the look on Kirk's face when he realized it wasn't Spock, I think just stuck with me. Like, I, I don't know if that was scripted or if that was improv, but um, yeah, it, it made me smile. <laughs> I, I, look, I look at all the other Star Trek series and how much uh, protocol and order of command, chain of command and everything is so highly highly talked about and strictly enforced and then on the beginning episodes of star trek and all he's got all his lesser than uh, misogyn is back in any way he wants yeah it's just weird like why would you assume that would be spock doing that this spock must do that often it must be a normal thing that spock digs it in to his back 
like, maybe yeah, it starts yeah. as a Vulcan neck pinch, and then uh, <laughs> maybe I don't know. He just missed one time. But yeah, the fact that the ensign just thought it would be no problem, I'll just get yeah. this kink out. I mean, imagine if Wesley Crusher did that to Picard. You oh know, man, just, that would have been just, great to see. Decided to just yeah, I'll just get this kink out. I mean, Picard would have set the phaser to kill. I mean, I guess if you want someone to do a good job, it would be Spock, yeah. right? Because he's got superhuman like strength. He's got the nerve pinch and everything. He can probably work out a kink. But... He's twice as strong as a human, so mm-hmm. yeah. Now, Spock goes on to say, after what this ship has been through in the last three months, there's not a crewman aboard who's not in need of rest. Myself accepted, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Spock. Oh, Spock. It's been so long since I watched the episodes before it that I can't remember what they went through before. Oh, I don't. I don't know. They probably just, that's probably just an opening line. Like, I guess every episode they're going through something, but. They always True try enough. to throw these these episodes in on all the series where people are just burnt out yep. right, and, and need a break. So we head down to a planet that looks a lot like Earth. Dr. McCoy and Sulu are investigating the planet, and they both think it would be a great place for the crew to take shore leave. And shore leave, for anybody who doesn't know, is basically when the people on the ship get a couple days off. They get a bit of a vacation. Dr. McCoy says the planet looks like something out of Alice in Wonderland. Sulu goes off to collect some samples of local flora, and McCoy turns around and sees a life-sized rabbit just like the one in Alice in Wonderland. Well, that's weird. <laughs> that's not your typical Star Trek. No, no. No, it's a bit surprised. Well, yeah, what are you thinking at this point? Like, McCoy's on acid, right? Yeah, yeah, I thought there was something in the in the plants. Sulu yeah, yeah. shook up a bunch of weeds or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, sure, and, uh, sure. Maybe he's tripping. I mean, that's, uh, you know... At this point, a good of good of an explanation is anything. Um, the rabbit is mumbling about being late, and then it takes off, and then a little girl who looks like Alice comes running past, asking if he's seen a rabbit. <laughs> McCoy, I love that it's McCoy that this happens to, right? <laughs> like the level-headed doctor, yeah. he's just like this yeah. can't possibly ha- be happening. Uh, he calls over Sulu, but Sulu didn't see anything. So, cut back to Kirk on the ship. He's decided to start beaming crew members down to the planet, but he himself is not interested in going. This is a great dynamic. Uh, neither is Mr. Spock, who has a very logical line about it. He says, on his planet, to rest is to rest, to cease using energy. To me, it is quite illogical running up and down on green grass using energy instead of saving it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good Spock answer. What I'm surprised more about is Kirk not wanting to join in on uh, some of the, the fun stuff, you know. He's the energetic one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know why he didn't want to go. Maybe he just would prefer to have the ship to himself for some reason. But maybe he's waiting for his continuation back massage from Spock. Oh, that's why they're not going. (laughs) Spock and Kirk want the ship to themselves. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Yeah, I don't know why, but I I like that he doesn't want to go because obviously we'll learn very shortly that he does go down and he has Mm -hmm. to go down, but he doesn't want to. So I think that's just a fun dynamic that's going on. So McCoy calls up to Kirk, tells him about the rabbit, and says he thinks he might uh, be unfit for duty. (laughs) I'd say. (laughs) Kirk thinks it's just like a a ploy to get him to come down to the planet. So Kirk says he'll take it under consideration. And then he's just like, whatever. (laughs) Now, as much as Kirk is against going down, Spock tricks him into going by telling him a member of the ship is showing stress and fatigue. He's becoming irritable and quarrelsome and refuses rest. 
And uh, Kirk gets all up in a huff and says, that man will go down to the planet on my orders. What's that man's name, Spock? And Spock says, his name is James Kirk. Uh, <laughs> enjoy yourself, Captain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a beautiful back and forth. Spock yeah. is killing it in this episode. He really so, is. so far for me. He really is. He, uh, he gets my award. Yeah, Kirk got played on that one. He got played, yeah, real bad. Logic. He got whipped by Logic. <laughs> So down on the planet, they added this really nice touch of like wind chimes playing in the wind. Did you guys notice that? Any, Not specifically, I don't think so. no. The whole time on the planet, there's just wind chimes. Hmm. It's like just to like give it this magical feel. No, I look like a liar because neither of you guys heard it. <laughs> no, it must be there. I just didn't, uh, didn't recognize it for what it was. It truly happened, I promise. Uh, <laughs> So Kirk and Yeoman Barrows, they beam down. They find McCoy, who shows them a giant rabbit's footprint. So I think that's important for McCoy to be able to say, like, okay, I'm well, maybe crazy. I'm not, yeah, maybe I'm not, like, freaking out here. Maybe something else is going on. So Kirk tells the Enterprise not to send anyone else down. They need to kind of, let's just figure out this giant rabbit foot, footprint first. And then we hear a gunshot. So, what what do you, Jay? What do you think's going on here when you hear gunfire <laughs> and all of a sudden? Well, you, in you, Star Trek, you think things. someone's under attack. Something, uh, you know, there's an uh, there's an aggressor somewhere. <laughs> that, that was my first thought when I when I heard it. It's just a confusing thing altogether because you don't see it, you hear it, and you see the reactions. Because all through Star Trek, there's rarely gunfire. It's always phaser fire or mm -hmm. any other kind of weapons blast. But uh, here, all of a sudden, there's there's some. And uh, so it's a confusing element uh, in a show that normally doesn't have any gunfire. Yeah. They run towards the sound. And what do you know? It's, it's Sulu. He's shooting. He's <laughs> shooting up a storm. He's got an old six-shooter. It's like a couple centuries old. So um, no reason for him to have a firearm. But we did see, just before this, we saw a rock lift up and that gun kind of appear under the rock. And then at this point now, we see a radio antenna pop up. And we're kind of like looking through the perspective of this radio antenna. And it's sort of following Kirk and Bones as they're walking away. So something definitely weird is going on. But now it looks more like there's some sort of technology involved rather than this planet's making them trip out. So st yeah. still, what do you think at this point? Like what's, what's going on? Well, I think, um, first of all, I, um, I don't know if, if they've explained a lot about Sulu's, uh, uh, backstory, but at that moment I realized that he's a gun collector because he said, you know, I've always wanted to add this to my collection and I had, maybe it was discussed prior, but that was the first time I was like, oh, okay, there's another level to Sulu that I never really realized. He He's a collector of weaponry. Um, and, uh, and when we saw the antenna, I think just us as the audience these days, we can kind of put two and two together and we, we see that, you know, this is a, a simulation of sorts or some sort of uh, arena where they're being tested. Um, but yeah. I don't know. I think I think this episode does a good good job of slow playing the suspension. Um, currently, you have a couple abnormalities or maybe imp impossibilities happen. All of a sudden, you have a big white rabbit run by, and Alice come in there, and then uh, gunfire in the middle of nowhere where Sulu never had a weapon, and 
they're they're playing on the audience's perception of like what's going on and what i find uh, most interesting is how they're able to keep everybody's attention drawn and um, brought in without being too slow as to bore people there's a there's a fine line I think there and they did a good job on this because the whole way is like what the heck is going on like it doesn't make any sense but you still want to know yeah and you're not yeah. bored by it I think so. the the innocence of the characters keep kept us watching like for me I have a huge problem when um I can I can like the the story the movie whatever we're watching clearly speaks to the audience to tell us what's happening but yet the characters in the movie or the show are taking forever to catch up to figure it out. You know, that's frustrating for me to watch as a viewer, but because of the nature of like we were talking about earlier, the characters, who they are, the innocence and purity about them, you kind of want to see them go through this, Struggle this little it. bit of a circus to figure it out, you know? And I, I just want to bring to attention that Sulu's shooting bullets that we have no idea where those bullets are coming from <laughs> because he shot way more than six shots and he's still plugging away. And I'm like, I don't see him reload it. And, uh, and he I said it was what... target practice, but he was shooting off and I'm pretty sure above <laughs> the water. So a I don't know. Kirk maybe? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's just shooting randomly. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was fun too. Yeah, I would agree. I think the episode was well paced. Like we do want to know what's going on. I'm actually surprised at how early they bring up this antenna. Mm-hmm. Because that's almost something that could have happened a lot later in the episode, but it didn't really give anything away. I think they kind of brought that up, and then they uh, they continue going into more of like the just oddities that end up happening that aren't kind of like technological in in yeah the uh, the antenna gives nature. away a little bit, meaning that some sort of technology seems to be lurking around the background but what it doesn't do is it doesn't give you away exactly what that technology is yeah. for all you know it's just people observing these random occurrences like uh and they're not actually clear about it and like uh you mentioned before in the 60s it might not have been as clear to them what the indication of that antenna was you know like now we have the the advantage and disadvantage of having seen so many different types of shows over the decades um, of so many different methods of telling stories that you start to recognize signs of what they are. But back when they built the show, I bet you there wasn't something to give that kind of information away where they would say, oh, I, I recognize what this must be because I've seen this before. Mm -hmm. So uh, they did a good job there. Um, I think, yeah, had they done it on a newer episode, it would have been more logical to think that uh, they would pick it up quicker, like the audience would pick it up quicker. But back then, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh... I think it was good. I think it was good to throw that in at this point. It, it doesn't really give anything away. No, not for me. Anyway. Um, I think by the end of it, you go back and look at it and you're like, okay, uh, I get it. And I guess it could have given something away, but you don't have enough information at this point to have anything spoiled. So I think it was, it was a nice addition to throw this in at this point. And it's only for a few seconds here and there. Yeah. And it's, it... just, it's just another weird thing that happens, right? Yeah. So Kirk and Bones, they find more rabbit tracks. So Bones goes off following the tracks while Kirk goes in the other direction where he bumps into a guy named Finnegan who Kirk was just telling Bones that he used to get bullied by Finnegan at the Academy. Now Finnegan walks over to Kirk and punches him in the face. <laughs> uh, Jay, was it just me or did you find Finnegan really fucking annoying? <laughs> fucking Finnegan. I <laughs> This guy. I don't know what it, uh, yeah, very annoying. Very, everything from how he was taunting him, mocking him, his body language, you know, him constantly smacking his hands. Like, 
different, I guess it's a different level of bullying than what I was used to growing up. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I remember we mentioned, uh, Jake, Jake, uh, we were mentioning about, uh, growing up with Star Trek and the older series versus the newer series. And I remember watching a little bit as a kid, five, six years old of the older series. And even though I didn't understand very much of it, I remember Finnegan. I remember seeing an ep- the episode with him in it. And I remember being freaking annoyed by him then, you know, and, uh, uh, kind of turned off by the character then, but now it's, it's, um, you had mentioned once to me, Tim, way in the past when an actor does a job really well, uh, for a character that people really dislike, you, you remember them and they're really disliked. The actor did a good job. And I think in this case he did because nobody liked that character. No, th- this is a very, very memorable episode for me because seeing it as a child, it's just like, this entire episode is something out of the imagination of a child. Like if I'm playing with my GI Joes, this is something that I would conjure up in my imagination that they're going through. You know, they're on some sort of a weird planet, uh, weird characters start popping up. Uh, So it's a very, very memorable, you know, episode for that reason. But this character in particular is what sticks out more than anything else because of how much you dislike him. And this is one of like, probably top five memorable Star Trek scenes out of any franchise, any of the the series in the entire franchise, out of the movies, out of anything. This is just burned into my memory because of how fucking annoying this guy is. Mm-hmm. And Jay, you touched on it. I was trying to think like, what is it about this guy? It's everything. It's everything <laughs> about this guy. It's his face. It's the way he talks. It's the way he moves. It's like, it's the, the stuff he's saying. Mm-hmm. Everything is so irritating that you just want to hit them. They really, they mm-hmm. really did a good job of cap- capturing the irritating character. And who's not happy when Kirk gives it to him? You oh, know? dude, we're all so happy. Uh, yeah. So Kirk hears Yeoman Barrow screaming. He goes after her and finds that she was attacked. She says she was attacked by a man in a black cloak and a knife with jewels on it. Now Bone says it sounds like Don Juan. I thought Bones got to that a bit too quick. <laughs> like black cloak, knife with jewels. Yeah. I, I don't I don't jump right to Don Juan from just that, but I guess Bones, maybe he's obsessed with Don Juan. I don't know. <laughs> he probably cosplays as him. Yeah, yeah I didn't realize Don right. Juan was somebody that attacked women with knives. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought he was supposed to be like a, I don't know. I thought he was a romantic, not romantic, a... Romantic, handsome guy, not yeah. a violent offender. Anyways, she says she was daydreaming about Don Juan just before the incident happened. And, uh, whoa, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Kirk runs off to find Sulu, but instead finds some flowers that remind him of Ruth. Then who shows up but Ruth? And Ruth was uh, just someone he dated at uh, Starfleet Academy. But I really liked her earrings. <laughs> guys... I don't remember her. Yeah, I did were... notice the chimes. Did you notice the earrings? Yeah, they were like a three triangle. Yeah, three triangles, uh, like... Black, white, black. Looked really cool. Like for 66, those are some real funky, cool looking earrings. If I wore earrings, I would definitely wear those. That's next check. <laughs> why are you Mrs. laughing? Jim? Next check, Mrs. <laughs> gift for you, Tim. I don't, yeah. Great. I don't know why you're you're trying to pretend to your listeners that you're not wearing oh, earrings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> why am I pretending <laughs> that I don't wear earrings? Yeah. I mean, you're wearing them clearly right now. So if you I, have like the Bajoran ones that go all the way around the ear, too. Oh, those are weird. <laughs> What's up with those? Uh, what Bajorans. are those? What is that? I don't know what that's called. It's... Do do they all look the same? The Bajoran earrings, or do they, I, they, do they, they? Are they status? Is it like if you have a different chain, you have a different status? 
I don't have to look into that. I'm not sure. I just real remember them often having them. Maybe not all of them, but many times they did. I, I think was, it's one of those affectations that the show uses to help distinguish a race from another race when yeah. there's um it's hard to do all the time. So I always thought that was a weird one. The earring. Mm-hmm. That's true. So Spock radios down and says he's found some sort of a weird power field down on the planet. Um, he didn't actually say it was weird. I threw that in. I don't think <laughs> Spock says things like weird, but uh, he says... Unusually says a lot. <laughs> it's not logical to say weird, I don't think. Unusual and strange. He says those words quite a bit, actually, in this episode. Mm, there you go. Spock radios down and says he's found some unusual and strange power field readings on the planet. They are highly sophisticated and draining the power of the ship and interrupting their communication. Kirk says he'll continue to investigate on the sur- on the surface. And uh, again, I just love that Kirk was so against coming down here. And now he's the one who's like forced to figure everything out here. He's, he's worried about his crew, his crew are being attacked. Weird things are going on. And he's the one who's responsible. <laughs> and all he wanted to do was spend some quiet time on the ship. Well, I found it I found it funny if my memory serves correctly that he'll and he is adamant I'll investigate this ship right when he sees Ruth in her beautiful uh uh dress or whatever she was wearing, right? Yeah, you'll investigate. I know exactly what you're planning on investigating. And what's that, Terry? Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I think you got a good uh you got a good beat on that, yeah. Uh well, more strange occurrences. One crew member reports seeing a flock of birds. What's this guy thinking? Just like, I wish this planet had more birds. I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I that was, that was a weird one. <laughs> Yeoman Barrows thinks of being dressed like a princess, then immediately finds a princess dress. We see a couple crew members being hunted by a tiger. A samurai pops up from under a rock and starts attacking Sulu. <laughs> Sulu's tripping the most. This planet needs more samurai. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's that gun when he... Oh, yeah, Kirk took it from him. Oh, man. Uh, As I'm wondering to myself here at this point in the episode, why aren't they just shooting these things with their phasers? They actually immediately let us know that their phasers aren't working. So I think they let us in on that info at at the right time. Yeah. Just as I found myself questioning, they answered it. So that was I thought that was neat. But Spock decides to beam down. He's having trouble even getting through. I thought they were going to lose his signal, but they got him. He says that's the last thing, that's the last form of communication they can do. They're all stranded. Who's running the ship? That's what I want to know. Ensign whoever the fuck. <laughs> uh, well, no, I mean, there's still like, the majority Scotty's of the crew is there. still up there, right? Yeah, Scotty's yeah. there. You're right. There's yeah. only like six or seven people down on the planet, maybe eight. And then but half the bridge is down like there. There's like 300 on the, sh- on the ship. But they're, all they need to do is just sit in orbit. Checkoffs there too. There's a. They oh, could yeah, probably just press off. a button that says like "float in orbit." <laughs> <laughs> crash to doom. Float in orbit. <laughs> yeah, crash on planet. Float in orbit. <laughs> Don't press the wrong one. Now we see a fully armored knight on a horse with a jousting staff appear, and it goes after Bones to claim the honor of the young princess Yeoman Barrows. Bones says, these are only hallucinations, and they can't hurt them. 
And the knight rides up and <laughs> smashes him in the chest and kills him. Impales him. <laughs> it kills him. I, I liked that scene. He's yeah. just like, nothing can hurt us. This is in our this is in our minds. And then he's dead. I'd like to know where he drew that conclusion from after everything he saw. I don't really She's know. got a ripped shirt. Uh he's seen tracks on the on the ground with the bunny. And uh, we heard gunshots and everything like out of a real gun, but all of a sudden yeah. this won't hurt him. She's wearing a princess dress right beside yeah. him. Uh, that's a really interesting point. I, I think he just he made got, a wrong decision. I don't know how he got from A to B there. <laughs> and the only one that's capable of saving his life is him and he's dying on the ground. I, I don't know, dude. Maybe, you know, he seemed to have a thing for her. So, oh, he was so into her. maybe the logic yeah. just went out of the window after she changed into her princess outfit. True. Which he did see her naked. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, <laughs> yeah. She did have the hots for him. So yeah. For some reason. For some reason, yeah. <laughs> yeah, was... you get the feeling like he's way older than her. Like, <laughs> well, way older? She's like 25 looking and he's like, I don't know, 45? 55, 55 maybe? 55? Yeah. I, I don't know what his age is on the show. Oh, he's old. Yeah. But he's a doctor. They're yeah. all so old. Yeah. They're older they, than Borscht. They're older than we are in that, like back in 66 there, I think. I don't think so. Kirk no. only looks like he's like 35. Okay. 35 to 40. So. Bones is older than all of us. Yeah. yeah. Bones is older than, than the others. Yeah. Yeah, he is. But she was like 25, so. She was beautiful. Yeah, she was. So Kirk runs in here. He resorts to using the old handgun that Sulu found, and he shoots the knight dead. They pull off the helmet, and it's some sort of a like a dummy under the armor. Like, it's supposed to be made of plastic or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you guys notice, like... Yeah, that actor had a hard time keeping a straight face. <laughs> I saw that right away. The, they, the, I can't remember what the line was, but they're talking about how you know it's it's dummy, it's it's not yeah. real. And when it goes to the shot of the actor, he's like he flinches his nose. Yeah, totally. <laughs> he's about to sneeze. Yeah, yeah. Something was going on there, and the the, the actor is making all sorts of like facial expressions. And then I don't know. A I little like... bit later, they were like someone had to like stroke his face. They're like like. <laughs> Touching his skin to see yeah. if it was like real and like stroking his face. Yeah. He was able to like stay calm for that. But yeah. when they opened that mask the first time, he was just like wiggling his nose and his, I think he like fully opened his mouth. Why not even retake that? It's It was so obvious. <laughs> maybe, they, maybe they're in a rush. We ran out of film. Yeah, I guess. We got one take here. One thing I did like what they did there, and I vaguely remember Kirk not having used his, trying to use his phaser before that. Um, maybe one of the other ones did, but what I liked was Kirk just jumped into the handgun to shoot the knight. Like it was a nice quick sign of how quick thinking Kirk normally is. He didn't try for the phaser. He pulled out the handgun, plugged the knight with that. And it worked because it doesn't use energy the same way. And it was created somehow on the planet. So. Well, it's always been Kirk's thing. He always leaps without thinking, right? That's Mm -hmm. been his. But in this case, I think his, his quick thought intuitiveness was, was right. So. Yeah, shoot first, ask questions later. Well, the knight did just plunge a plunge a spear into uh, into the doctor, so it's he kind of had it coming. It's true, he did. So Spock takes a look at uh, this this dummy and thinks it's mechanical, and that it's been manufactured same as everything else on this planet. Then we see a fighter jet in the sky. That makes a strafing run on a crew member because that's what that crew member was thinking about. Because <laughs> Planet could really go for some more strafing runs. So clearly what's going on here is that if you think of something, it immediately happens. So everybody needs to start thinking happy thoughts. Mm-hmm. 
Now, do you guys think that this at all was uh, inspiration for Mr. Stay Puff and Ghostbusters? Oh, probably. Well, that's a good good question. Yeah. I, it, I, it is linked directly. I felt it was, I, I couldn't really, like when they showed the dummy that night, you know, okay, he was manufactured. I, I get that. But then you see the plane in the sky. So all these things are being manufactured, like manufactured that quickly. I, I would have... I don't know. I, I guess a part of me thought it was more of a magical element that was happening um, than a yeah. manufacturing element. But I, they never seemed to really hit on which was which. Mm-hmm. But I, I enjoyed this show with a little bit less um, investigative criticism like I normally watch shows with. And it was nice to suspend that. I didn't go in trying to, to dissect it. I just went in enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And uh, waited until the end for them to explain the full thing. Yeah. Um, often I find myself doing the other, and I find I enjoy it more if you just kind of let it happen and uh, and watch it. Well, this one for sure, that's the way that you have to do it. Like when when it starts off and there's a giant bunny, and yeah. I mean it didn't <laughs> it didn't look real. It was like someone's Easter bunny costume, and there was a, yeah. a person in it running. <laughs> and it looked it looked awful. Like it looked like they weren't even trying, but that's the best they had at the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you see that and. I mean, this is Star Trek. You could easily just turn it off and be like, "What? What the fuck is going on here? This is stupid." But yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta let this one sit with you. You kind of gotta like make your way through. Just the things that are happening are so ridiculous and fun. Yeah, that it just makes for a very memorable episode. I find that this episode, uh, the summation of the parts, is more than like the 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 whole thing is more than the summation of the parts. Yeah, um, because some uh, some all the different parts themselves are kind of awkward and yeah. weird and uh and different but then when you kind of put it together it's like oh that makes sense yeah i totally agree with that yeah so kirk for some reason thinks of finnegan again uh, i guess he's thinking uh, i've been punched in the face in a, about an hour <laughs> let's think of finnegan so he immediately shows up and for my money this has to be one of the most classic fight sequences in any of star trek this was an epic fight. This went on mm-hmm. for so long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was full of punches, jumps, jump kicks, flips, double crosses, sand being thrown in the face. <laughs> My favorite, Kirk grabs one of his own arms and hits Finnegan across the back. Like he was using it to create more momentum. Yeah. Like if you grab your own arm and swing it, it was the weirdest thing. Just an epic battle though. But Kirk loses the fight. Then they cut to commercial, and then when they come back, he's okay again. He gets up, and then he beats Finnegan. So nice use of commercial break there. <laughs> you know, they, it's the, the cliffhanger. Kirk's down. He's dead. Throw to commercial. Come back. He sits back up and wins the fight. So he just needed that three and a half minutes to catch his yeah. breath. <laughs> I'll note that Kirk only apparently thinks about two things, loving and fighting. Because the only thing that happens is Ruth and Finnegan for him. There's no other elements that come into his stories. Yeah. You know, lover two. and fighter. Yeah. That's, that sums him up though. Uh, what do you guys think of this fight scene though? Oh, it was fun. I want to stick on this for that a That was bit. a ton of fun. I wanted him to beat the stuffing out of Finnegan. I really did like we everybody did. else. But uh, it was a fun scene to watch. Yeah. I I love, um, we talked about this earlier, but I love that... Uh, you can see a distinction between when it's their stunt doubles and when it's them. Oh yeah. But it's not like, I, I love that. It, it takes me back to like episodes of SNL or mad TV mm-hmm. when, you know, a body's being thrown across the way or, or they're doing some sort of 
comic joke with someone's body and you can tell it's a dummy yeah. and they don't hide the fact that it's a dummy, but there's a certain comedy to that. And when I can easily tell that these are the stunt doubles, it just makes me kind of giggle on the inside and, and I, I enjoy it. I, it's part of the whole, that whole fight sequence, like till everything you said was just so over the top, including when their stunt doubles were present yeah. and it just, uh, it was nice. It was like, fun. Like space balls. <laughs> you yeah. captured their stunt doubles. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they went all over like all sorts of terrain. They were jumping off rocks and cliffs. It was fun. Their they, shirts are getting ripped off. Yeah. This was those those pure moments where back in the day, nobody was there showing them how to do all these things and no. make them the that fancy, was, perfect things clear. they are now. And there's there's a joy to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, almost, it's almost tangible. It, it's just a, a simple joy to it. And uh, that's what dr- draws me to a lot of older shows. Is I know it's not as as intricately written and tied together, and the special effects aren't the same, but that's okay because that's what I want to see. I want to see some different kind of shows from time to time, and and uh, where they started matters. It just it feels more wholesome. It's like yeah. more in a way more enjoyable to watch because you're you're definitely not taking it seriously when it's happening. You're just yeah. kind of you're watching, you're laughing, you're like this is fun. Nobody fights like that. Nobody grabs their arm yeah. <laughs> and then swings it to get more momentum. That's not a thing, I promise you. Well, didn't but, they evolve that in next gen? Didn't they get evolve it to holding the, both the their arms? Chop or whatever. Yeah, like, they would strike Picard would always handles. strike someone with both his hands. Well, Kirk together. would do that too. Well, he did that too. Kirk okay. does that too. He does like the double handed smack. But this yeah. one was weird. He like grabs his forearm and then almost like it's not connected to his body and swings it. <laughs> But it was so weird. What's just what's going through, you know, his head when he's like, okay, I got to do this scene. I'm going to make up some fight moves here. This is a good one. I wonder <laughs> how many takes they do that they're not always the same, right? So they, they just kind of battle it, battle it out. Yeah. Uh, and um, this just happened to be the one they chose with him <laughs> smacking him with his own hand. No, but that's a, that's a good point. And that's probably correct because, you know, I'm sure film wasn't cheap back then. And, you know, they had to get whatever they could probably in one shot. And yeah. so it made for a joyful, joyful watching experience. It really did. Yeah. I mean, I was totally down with watching Finnegan get his ass whooped for, <laughs> for this long. I would have liked even him it was to a good treat fight. him like Gorn, yeah. drop <laughs> a boulder on him. And yeah. With it. it was, it was good. So Spock has started to figure things out. He thinks there must be something underground creating their thoughts and wishes. So they all go back to the rendezvous point where Kirk explains they need to concentrate on nothing. That's very difficult with Yeoman Barrow standing there. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Dressed as a princess. I agree. Good luck thinking of nothing. But then a man in a robe walks out and says he's the caretaker of this place. He says he's only just realized that they don't understand all of this. The experiences were intended to amuse them, and none of this is permanent. Spock calls it an amusement park. The man says that the planet was constructed for his people as a place they could come and play. So what I like about this is that this is almost like an early take on the holodeck, Mm -hmm. because they don't have a holodeck in the OG series. Yeah. But this is like a planet holodeck where you you come and whatever you whatever you think of to like escape, that will happen for you. I thought that was cool. It makes me wonder if the because they bring the holodeck very soon in on next gen as one of the first episodes that they they describe it, and it is still 
impressive. Like the holodeck, uh, we all dream about a holodeck where you can jump on a motorcycle anywhere or uh, go skydiving or do whatever you want. And so I wonder if the writers of Next Gen, when they came up with the holodeck, were very inspired by this because it would make logical sense for, for them to have leapt from this to that. I would think so. This is a beloved episode, so you know I could definitely see them trying to take some sort of essence from this episode and, and bring it through, yeah. you know, star, star Star Trek. Now we see Bones come back. He's not dead. He's found a couple of cabaret dancers. <laughs> <laughs> he he's learned this. He's, he's the learned woman, the program. He's the man in he this figured episode. he figured it out. Yeah, <laughs> he knows what to think. They're like half dressed. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, he's been underground and says that he was very impressed by it. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Barrows wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeoman Barrows who? <laughs> now, the man says Kirk and his race are not yet ready to understand them, but if they would use caution, his crew could use the planet to enjoy themselves. So Kirk messages to transport down the shore leave parties and tells them to prepare for the best shore leave they've ever had. And Kirk is about to beam back up until he sees Ruth again. He says he'll stay for a day or two. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. Terry seems to know. (laughs) We end with the crew coming back onto the bridge of the Enterprise, looking very relaxed, which Spock finds most illogical. And the end. (laughs) I don't know. That's a dangerous proposition, you know. It's like everybody come down to the ship and dinosaurs running the earth and... uh... Well, you're asking these people to come down and control their thoughts. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. I'd like to see part two of this episode where you have 300 crew members down on that planet all thinking random thoughts. Yeah. And let's see what this planet does. I think that I would be a lot of fun too. I bet you there's dinosaurs in some of it. That's actually... All, someone is thinking. You got 300 people. Someone is for sure thinking of dinosaurs. Yeah. But that's a fascinating idea, having everyone's thoughts kind of collide and how the planet manages that, if it if it even does. Like that, that's, a, that would be an interesting episode. Can you imagine Kirk's, uh, Kirk's two day stint there? You got Finnegan hitting on Ruth the entire time and Kirk fighting Finnegan for Ruth. Yeah. He's not going to get much rest. Kirk, <laughs> no. Kirk's not going to get much rest. W- uh, what if Spock went down? What's he thinking of? Numbers. <laughs> numbers. What, like, and, uh, what does the planet create for Spock to give him a good time? It just like creates a cave that he's sitting in. It's like a black, dark cave. I, I guess so. Yeah. He's just probably. in it alone in silence. Yeah, Probably. and I'm just seeing random numbers floating above his head and like on an episode of Sesame Street and uh, he's good to go. Yeah, when Ruth appeared at the end, because we know what we know about the night and up close, it's this plastic manufactured thing. Like, so is that what oh, Kirk yeah. is choosing oh, to interesting. stay for? She, she I didn't look that plastic though. No, yeah. she didn't. Now I feel so. uncomfortable. Because, <laughs> yeah, they're all machines. Yeah. Well, they're manufactured machines. I got to say, um, Bones' uh, cabaret dancers there look pretty damn real. So uh, well, They did, but they're machines. Everything's yeah. a machine. That's true. But then again, what's the difference? Holodeck, they they oh, weren't real true. either. And how many people went to Quark's uh, Hollow Suites for a good time? That's so. a good point. That's that's something that doesn't get discussed enough in the Star Trek universe <laughs> is uh, all the sex with um, holograms and now yeah. machines. Yep. I wonder if you can get a computer virus from them physically. Yes. I don't know. Sure. Probably. <laughs> Stay away from the machine. The hologram, maybe not, though. No, that's what I mean. <laughs> computer virus enters the body. Well, as apparently on this planet, as long as you're not thinking about getting the computer virus, you won't get it. It's just whatever you think of happens. 
It was a great episode, though. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, very wholesome, like you said, Tim. It's uh, definitely unlike any other Star Trek episode out there. You will never find anything like this. I don't know how many. I guess there's like um, there's a few Voyager episodes that jump into fantasy a little bit. Uh, I usually found them as like some of my less favorite ones. I can't think of next gen really ds9 definitely doesn't really jump into fantasy does next gen next gen they probably does a do lot one of two. ones that are like story-based like uh data being sherlock holmes and uh yeah um but not quite fantasy right like getting into no, like no like, stuff like this like picard does his um dick tracy kind of character there yeah. uh his invest private investigator uh and they are like in their own way they're the fantasy but not not this one's different because they don't know what they're in for. They don't know what's going on, and therefore it draws everybody into it. When you know, hey, you're on a hollow deck or a planet that's kind of like a hollow deck, then it's no longer fantasy-ish and more along the lines of, uh oh, what did somebody spawn out of their brain now? You know. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, I think, I think that for me is what makes a difference. I know Voyager does a, an episode with like where they're kind of fooling around with like the idea of Beowulf, um, mm-hmm. which is definitely gets into the fantasy. But yeah, I don't know. Nothing like this. It definitely starts hard fantasy. And then when you learn that it's machines creating machines, that definitely swings you into the sci-fi. Yeah. So that's kind of like, that's how everything gets brought together. Um, I think it has to be that way in Star Trek. Like it has, to, it has to have that scientific aspect to it at the end. That's why I don't think they could have just stuck with straight fantasy. Like this is just yep. your imagination or this planet is magical. I think that doesn't really work for Star Trek. And, and at the end, people might have been left with a bit of a sour taste in their mouth. But this is definitely leaning into the sci-fi that this planet is basically like a giant machine underground. And that they're creating other machines just as quick as you can think of it. The, this machine can create them and send them out. So that's very a very sci-fi yeah. idea, in my opinion. I find uh, when I look at Star Trek, especially next gen and onwards but even the original series when i look at star trek versus the other uh really um monumental um space science fiction shows like star wars and um and the others star trek is the most logical technology based of them like everything's everything's uh explainable by by uh science uh whereas a lot of other shows there's a lot more fantasy kind of mixed into the into it and this show does this does it right from the get-go this is the first season and they added make sure you remember it's it's actually science it's not actually fantasy right right but it does it in such a good way because you don't know that until the very end of the episode yeah that's a good point i think that's one of the things that makes star trek so lovable is it's like it could all be real you know Mm -hmm. they, they do it in a way that it could all be real and like look look how many things like just ideas that star trek came up with that are now real things in our world mm-hmm. right like they took a lot of ideas from what was what people's imaginations were back in the time and now they're they're real mm-hmm. right so um even just having it grounded in in science and sort of in reality um lends itself to um it, it's easier to accept when you're watching it that this you know this could happen and it could be real but yeah Cool, fun episode. Any any uh, clo- closing thoughts on the the app? Um, you know, one thing I really like about Star Trek, especially like you know the next gen Voyager that we grew up with, 
um, Starfleet is Starfleet. You know, it, it, it was all about, we got to this level of, uh, you know, equality where if you went to Starfleet, this, this was the outcome. Everyone's taught the same. Everyone is on the same level. It doesn't matter your race, your orientation or whatever. Starfleet was Starfleet. And you can definitely tell that back in this episode, you know, it was a different time. And the, uh, the women seemed a little more help, helpless in this episode, right? There was no... And I almost found myself really missing that part of Starfleet. I almost found myself actually thankful that we got to a point like in Next Gen and Voyager and so on that that everyone was kind of at this equal playing field. Um, because like as I was watching this episode, I was like, oh, though, you know, she's dreaming about being a princess. Right. She's getting her t- clothes torn off. Yeah. This other ensign needs someone to tell her about what old planes were, you know, and um, mm. so... It's nice to see that we had that progression in the Star Trek universe that we got to that point. So that's very true. Yeah, there's no strong women in this episode. No, uh, no. you know, this is definitely a product of the '60s. It's yeah. a product oh, yeah. of the time. Um, f- few, you know, few shows or movies were very progressive back then uh, in the '60s or '70s. You can find some. There are some. Some will surprise you, but this this episode was not one of those. But. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they definitely do, you know, getting into next gen and past that, they definitely give you your strong female characters all the way through um, Star Trek after that. So they, they caught on. They caught on. All right. Well, Terry, Jay, thanks for joining. This is a lot of fun. We've uh, got some more Star Trek themed things to go and do. Uh, Terry, I'm noticing that you decided not to wear a Star Trek t-shirt today. Jay and I did. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no problem there. <laughs> this is a, this is a, a voice only show, so you have no proof of that. <laughs> just just think of wearing a shirt, and maybe one will appear. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, guys. It was a lot of fun. We'll uh, try to do it again soon. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. All right, everyone listening, if you're looking for a way to support Talking Back, there's a few ways you can do that. You can start by telling your friends about us, share one of your favorite episodes with them. You can leave a review and rating on your favorite podcast app. You can send a one-time donation of any amount at buymeacoffee.com slash talkingback, or you can sign up to be a patron and gain access to exclusive episodes over at patreon.com slash talkingbackpodcast. And now that this episode is over, don't worry, head on over to bfopnetwork.com and check out one of the other amazing nostalgia-based podcasts in our network. We promise you'll find something you like. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.